0: There are secrets out there guys performance marketing secrets and knowing just one or two of them can light up your funnels let's go this is performance marketing insiders i'm chris mechanic join me as we go deep into the secrets of the world's elite marketing minds performance marketing insiders is sponsored by web mechanics the ai-driven performance agency that makes you smarter hey everybody welcome to another exciting episode uh, I can't wait to just jump right in with with today's guest. Today's guest is is a longtime marketer. It's one of those types of marketers that's just incredibly well rounded, to the tune of like you know before I was even knew about anything about internet marketing, like he was already running you know seven and eight figure accounts. Um, and as uh, or- originally he was at um, the general insurance. He's an insurance guy. He's been in the insurance space for a long time. Uh, then he went to direct auto uh, and then did a long stint at transUnion and just posted some really really com- uh, you know impressive win stories there then he was at root and he's now VP marketing at Equity Trust Company um, so really just amazing marketer like paid media conversion rate optimization analytics like kind of the whole package um, of a marketer who's worked in Fortune fortune 100 he's done his own thing but ladies and gentlemen without further ado let me introduce david drados welcome to the show david hey there chris thanks for having me yeah man and uh and you are really really impressive i mean i'm on your linkedin right now you've got some of your case studies posted there i think there was something about like uh what was it a 50x increase in revenue uh from two to 50 million in revenue over three years of direct auto like that is just insane
1: yeah that was one of the good ones <laughs> so um
0: i've got a lot of questions lots to talk to you about but we want to give the people what they want so let's start with your biggest secret like if as you think back on all your win stories to date, like what are some of the or what what's just one of the uh big secrets that enables you to post such big wins
1: yeah, I, you know, it, it kind of comes down to the first thing is knowing who, you're, who, you're, who your customer is and what your unique selling proposition is. You need to have that really coalesce before you can point your arrows at the target. If you don't know what you're hunting for, you don't know where or what you're hunting for sleeps, eats, what it does, you're going to have a hard time finding that, that uh, target, just to use a hunting analogy. But uh, it starts with that. Once you have that really well nailed down, um, my success in, in a lot of respects has come from what I, I would all sort of micro testing and uh, really iterating rapidly on um, small changes. Uh, you know, it's, it, don't, it doesn't have to be a huge production. I think it's learn and fail fast and iterate and grow. That's been uh, really key to getting stuff done. I think a lot of folks let uh great get in the way of good, you know, or yeah. good get in the way of done. I'd like to say, don't do anything just to do it and get it, get it done well. Yeah. But uh, I, I'd say that if there is one, one secret, I'd say it, it's that, but it still has to be founded in uh, who you what your what your product is, why it's different than your competition in a way that people uh, your target audience cares about. So the USP part, the unique selling proposition, really, really key, really important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when it comes to micro testing, that's an interesting concept. How would you describe micro testing? Is it different than regular testing, or is it just a faster pace of iteration?
1: Yeah, it's really faster pace. Uh, the The idea is uh, get get to a conclusion quickly. I think if you if you put too many variables in market, whether it's an ad unit, an audience, um, a, a media channel you know, that you, you're setting yourself up for what I call uh, something that's precisely inaccurate, right? The, the more levers of precision you introduce in it, the, the, harder, you're, the harder it's going to be to get to uh, a statistically significant conclusion. So focus on one thing, whether it's a type of ad creative, whether it's a channel, whether it's an audience, whether it's a call to action, and uh, whether it's a color of a button, and just focus on that and get it done. Uh, I, I think the The idea of um, rapid testing, drawing conclusions, really, really important to get through. So, I see. So, is it this concept
0: of essentially, like, if you think of your ad dollars as capital, right? Sure. Are you saying essentially that instead of allocating your capital across like ten, you know, different variables or different tests, to really concentrate? All or most of the capital behind one sing singular uh, point of testing, so that you can just really rapidly test that one thing, and depending on what you're spending, you might get stat, sig like in a in a day or two. Uh, and then, and then to move on to the next thing.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit different than that. I think um, you you certainly can heavy up on a single aspect of it. Um, what I wouldn't do is introduce different components into any, any, you know, any single media test. Uh, for example, if, if test A is here's a new creative and a new audience and, uh, a, a, I don't know, a new call to action. Test B is here's a control creative, maybe a slightly different audience, uh, maybe a slightly different call to action. You've got too many things there that are, that are that are able to color the test. So a test should be clean. It should be pure. And you could have five or six of these things going on at a single time, but um, you know, keep things isolated. Keep things draw draw stats and conclusions on on a, on a test by minimizing uh, the control variables. Right. So that's yeah. that's. That's where I that's what I'm trying to outline there.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. And uh are there certain elements for you that you will start testing with? Like do you generally start with one thing or another, or is it all situational?
1: It really depends. Um, I, I feel like again, you start with you try to start with the the best audience that you possibly can. Now there's there's a limit to um Limit to how far you can go with building lookalike audiences in different channels, right? Sometimes you just have to to pick uh, pick an audience or pick a cohort that seems to align closely with who your target customer is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, audience testing is uh, is one aspect. Usually, the thing that I'll try to go for is creative testing out of the gate. Um, okay. And then, uh, as you know, sometimes the the creative has to differ by channel as well. What works on TikTok isn't necessarily going to work on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, isn't necessarily going to work on YouTube. So you have to think about that thoughtfully as well. But you know, the the quicker you can get to uh, a stat sig conclusion, the better the better your marketing efforts are going to be because it's all about removing. Um, Removing components that are going to you know, negatively impact your your ROAS. You yeah. want to you want to really get to the get to the answer quickly. So uh, the the more observations on a given question, the quicker you are going to get to the answer. So yeah. minimize the questions, uh, you know, statistically speaking, and try to drive to that conclusion as quickly as you can. So that, to so. me, it's it's speed 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 to the answer more than a uh, number of questions I'm trying to answer. When you think about all the tests you've run, uh, are there any that jump out at
0: you that you're most proud of, or that you were most excited by?
1: Mm, think about that. Story. Yeah, I um, when I was uh, when I was working at TransUnion, so um, I was actually not on the marketing side as much as I was on the product development side. So we were creating uh, marketing solutions for insurance companies. And, Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we brought to market was something called, um, in-market audiences. And these Mm -hmm. audiences would align themselves with activities we'd see on the credit file that would be highly correlative or predictive of someone shopping for insurance. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the, in the digital ecosystem from event to actually getting an impression if you're going through a traditional onboarding solution that could take maybe two weeks, right? And two weeks is a lifetime in the digital ecosystem. So working with, uh, working directly with one of the, the platform providers, I think it was Facebook, we had a direct integration with them using um, synthetic IDs to, to marry up in-market consumers to uh, impressions. And so we could do that in about uh, 24 hours, and the first time we tested that for insurance client, the results were phenomenal. Because wow, the you know, think about what drives uh, a piece of direct mail. So I've been in the direct mail business too. So there's an event that happens the next day, a piece of mail goes out, and it's about as close as you can sort of get to the event. And this is offline data, offline data to an offline medium, but to get that offline intent signal. And uh, marry it up to a digital ad impression and see the results and the response rate on that it was just super huge. I won't tell you who the client was. It was a top fifty insurance company, but uh, significant um, significant win for them. And yeah. frankly, one of the things I wanted to the re- one of the reasons I want to get back on the uh, advertiser side is because I wanted to use some of the things I'd, I'd built and learned in my time at Product. So. Uh, awesome! Great win, great win so for the me. Great quality win for them. of those
0: audiences just increased dramatically because you were able to get get at them. You know, twenty four hours after they, yeah, yeah, were searching for
1: insurance or right. And it's the intent signal, a different type of intent signal. Not yeah. someone that raises their hand, and say, "Hey, I'm searching for auto insurance," or on uh, browsing on an aggregator site. This is something that they may have done offline. Think about connecting. I don't know your purchases at Target and you know hey looks like uh you may like sugar cereal and you get an ad for sugar cereal the equivalent in uh, auto insurance is hey i changed my address or uh, i opened up a mortgage or I, or I opened up an auto loan you know things like yeah. that and to be able to build on that and create these marketing audiences is pretty powerful
0: yeah so uh what brought you to equity trust because that's yeah. not insurance
1: it is not insurance no um it's an interesting story. So I, uh, I left TransUnion to go to, uh, an insure tech out of Columbus called Root. Mm. And, uh, Root was, Root was getting pretty rocky. Uh, as there, as like many techs, many insurance companies as a result of the pandemic really started to have struggles with profitability. So I left there, uh, early last year and was looking for the right, the right gig. And, uh, equity trust kind of found me and we found each other, I guess. And, uh, very interesting business. Uh, They're in the IRA custodian business, Mm self-directed IRA. So that just means you can uh, hold uh, alternative assets in your IRA, things like uh, real estate, cryptocurrency, um, precious metals, physical gold, things like you wouldn't necessarily associate with a retirement account. So uh, the opportunity was pretty interesting one to help build awareness around something that a lot of people don't know anything about. And, uh, uh, right, uh, right in my own town, this is the biggest one of these in the United States was right there. So, uh, it's been a oh, good nice. fit so far. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. You've been there a year, so I guess you're, you're getting settled in now. Um, yeah. What does your day to day look like? Like, are you in platform, um, either, either pulling the dials or like closely watching, or are you more so, like overseeing agencies and a group of people that are doing it.
1: Yeah, I'd say it's the latter. Um, <clears throat> I'm not. Uh, I'm not buying media. We work. We work with uh, a performance agency that works on our behalf. Uh, I also do some paid media in house with folks on my team, mostly mostly paid clicks, some um, Google Display Network, but uh, actively working on pilots to bring. New ideas to bear, particularly around using their own uh, their own first party data to build better audiences. You know that prior to me going there, there wasn't really a thought of saying, "Hey, let's look at our our customer list and say who's who's the best customers, who do we want more of, and how do we find them? How do we identify them? Who's the highest lifetime value customer?" And so, going through that exercise and working with our, our data science team to pull those folks out and say, "Hey," This is the person we want more of how can we find them? That's been uh, a pretty big revelation for them. and so uh, that's that's been a lot of the focus in the last I'd say hundred and twenty days uh, getting those audiences up and running, testing them okay. and optimizing. The other piece is um, getting uh, testing new channels and new ad creatives that they've never used before. They've okay. really never done. Uh, a lot of advertising out of some programmatic and a lot of a lot of pay per click, um, and you know you have to you have to generate awareness of your your product, and so uh, a lot more focus of late on on more middle funnel, not really top of funnel at this point, but uh, under the marketing team, it's beyond paid media. We've got quite a, a lot of other things. You know, I've got a whole content team big on content, big on education, uh, email. We have um, pro- project management, uh, social, the social team that's starting to grow. That's another area I think where we can really have a lot of influence on top of funnel rather than mass media. Uh, yeah. A lot of compelling content that we have and things that people are, should be interested in. Uh, you know, if you could make, you know, in a, in a down year of the stock market, when people lost 20% in their portfolio, if you could beat that in your retirement account on a consistent basis, and there's a way to do it, you probably want to know about it. So, there's a yeah. really timely narrative right there I think we can exploit and talk about. So, oh, yeah, nice. day-to-day, lots of stuff going on there. Um, you know, from a strategic perspective, where do we drive this bus over the next 90 days or the next year? whatever? KPIs, how are we going to measure them? Uh, Another big thing is identifying what our uh, acquisition cost actually is. What are we getting for our media spend? No one's been able to answer that there, uh, in large part because it's an offline conversion ecosystem. Uh, Just like you would imagine, uh, a lot of companies spend money on digital. They drive folks to a set of uh, business development folks, sales agents, and then that lead goes into Salesforce and then there's some uh, invisibility to some extent on what happens to it by the time it closes. So a lot of influence establishing the value of what our dollar is in terms of media, uh, media ROI. That's been a big focus for us too. Yeah.
0: uh, And you're not the only ones there. Um, We've been doing a lot of that uh, online to offline conversion tracking It's really just our savviest clients that are into it, or the highest volume clients that are into it, Um, right? And of course, you can use those signals uh, to your point, like to create better audiences and to, you know, like identify uh, some of the differences between the ones that you know pick up the phone and enter pipe, uh, and the ones that don't. Um, So there, there's definitely an AI element to that. But even if there wasn't, like even if there was no AI uh, element, but you were just able to see it in platform, like as a media buyer, you know? Because right now it's like clicks and leads, basically. But even just visibility, like clicks, leads, stage one, stage two, stage three, close. Like even if you could have like that view, this is what I tell clients when they don't want to, or when they like, you know, don't really believe in the AI or what have you. Just having that view for immediate buyers is important because usually your lowest cost per lead campaigns are not the highest return.
1: For sure, for sure, we yeah. see that a lot. Um, the other thing is the the organizations if they're if they're living off uh, paid search, pay per click. Uh, most of those folks have a high intent already. They're already hand raisers. They've already searched for your brand or searched for something related to your brand, self-directed IRA and the the likelihood of those to become a lead and then follow through to become an account is higher than someone who doesn't even know what a, a self-directed IRA is. So yeah. you, know, you have to, it, there's there's a there's a bit of burn-in and brand awareness that has to happen in order to start making those things more efficient. And, and just in the last 90 days, when we started to spend more middle funnel, we're starting to see uh, click-through rates get higher, I think our, our, our CPCs are lower right now and probably it's more of a seasonal thing, but we're getting more branded impressions and that's directly, uh, you know, I think, uh, correlated to, to this middle funnel spend that we've never really done before.
0: What do you consider
1: middle funnel when you say middle funnel? Uh, I, I would say, um, you know, to me, Facebook is sort of middle funnel. It's a, Bespoke targeted audience, uh, LinkedIn display, um, sort of middle funnel. I, I would even argue YouTube to some extent is middle funnel. Um, you know the calls to action are driving folks to uh, a lead magnet where hey, here's, some, here's a here's a real estate investment guide that's valuable to you. If you want to get it, put in your your name and information. You can get it. Things like that. Yeah. Right. But. You know we're not running we're not running OTT. we're not running streaming audio yet um I think we'll we'll get there uh but you know we're starting with a relatively small budget too so I know a lot of folks out there uh who don't have that you know uh, six and seven and eight figure budget. Well six figure you should right but you know uh at companies I've been at before uh we've had you know hundreds of millions of dollars of budget right yeah uh and and you know it becomes sort of well how do you spend all this efficiently right so the the sometimes the the folks who have less to spend have to be more creative and have to be really more judicious in how they spend their dollars and where they spend them at so that's kind of key yeah yeah absolutely
0: all right. Well, um, what are your uh your channels that you're most excited about? Are you doing much with YouTube at all?
1: Just starting to get into YouTube uh, from a paid perspective. Um, you know, we really haven't done a lot on on the video side. Now that's with uh, the agency we're working with. They've uh, they've done a really nice job helping helping us leverage our own in house uh, education experts and others to. Build some compelling content uh, to to run on, on TikTok and TikTok, sorry, and YouTube. Um, those channels are exciting to me. Uh, honestly, I'm I'm kind of excited about testing direct mail too. And the reason yeah. that is is because the uh, I think this particular customer, again, going back to who your target customer is, is probably someone. Uh, you know, I I'm going to call them. You know i don't know 35 to 55 years old has some investable assets um you know they're probably more likely to respond to a direct mail piece than i don't know maybe you chris i don't know <laughs> uh and uh the the power of of uh building a very strong response model using that type of modeling that type of data so um the one of my goals with that is to find some winning audiences and then export those to our digital channels. There's only so far you can go with a Facebook lookalike audience or, or, you know, some other platforms, black box lookalike audience that I'd much rather create a population outside of that ecosystem and push it through a DMP and then reach, reach the people that ostensibly I'm reaching through direct mail as well. Yeah.
0: You know, I, um, i saw a pretty clever actually i experienced a fairly clever uh, direct mail play uh, not long ago and learned about a tech but um it essentially will identify certain anonymous users or at least like attempt to and right. it'll match some portion of your traffic uh, and provide for those anonymous users that uh have public record about them so say a homeowner for instance or car you know auto owners um will attempt to extrapolate and get you know name email and physical address so i came upon this tech which enabled that uh and essentially so like say you you don't get a hundred clicks to your landing page and you get 20 conversions or 10 however many conversions you get right And then you get some just zombies that do nothing, but then you have that like middle of, you know, the folks that like engage a little bit, you know, scrolled up and down, maybe clicked somewhere, but didn't convert. If you could identify half of those and enroll them into a little direct mail campaign, you know, that's like a source of pretty hot audience right there.
1: Is that uh is that posty by chance? A lead post is the one that that I've used. Okay. Yeah. Posty is one I'm familiar with too. And that's, that would also be an interesting, uh, interesting test for this audience. Yeah, so it's uh, totally, totally hear you. I think the idea of reaching folks out—it's, it's to some extent uh, a triggered, a triggered mail campaign, right? You did something that would indicate you have an interest in this product, and so here's a piece of mail to follow up on that. And ideally, the the mail would have some uh, modeling around it. Who is who's most likely to respond of the people you identified. So you have to have enough of those to, to uh, build a decent remarketing pool too. But I like the idea of that. That's one of the things that I've been kicking around in my mind. I don't think we have the scale on the website to really do that justice, that tactic justice. Uh, This is not like my days at progressive insurance, right? You get millions upon millions of uniques every month. So yeah. Uh, a lot smaller quantity, but that I definitely that's pretty a pretty cool idea, yeah are you guys regulated heavily
0: like are you uh, able to retarget like do basic retargeting or no?
1: yeah, we can retarget folks um, you know financial services insurance you're all regulated on things um, the, the one thing we can't do, which I could do in insurance is use credit data, and credit data is super powerful when it comes to identifying intent and then identifying risk profile. So you see most of your direct mail is coming from financial uh, institutions, your credit cards, the capital ones, the city groups of the world, or the discover, you know, you get the credit card apps in the mail and insurance companies. So when you, when you get a piece of mail from any of those entities, typically it's driven by credit because it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, everyone's got a credit score. It's, uh, and it's regulated by the FCRA, so you, the, these folks—they're uh, super regulated in how they use it. But uh, yeah, as far as as far as we're concerned, there are certain things we can and can't say. Like the biggest regulation is uh, as a custodian, you can't give true investment advice. That's uh, the the customer is really the director of the business, like what what gets invested in. So I can't tell you as a customer, hey, you should buy real estate but I can educate and I can provide education around what some other customers are doing and things like that. So I think that's the biggest really sensitivity around this business is how you dispense education and make it not advice and how you disclaim it as not being advice. And this can't be construed as advice, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so that's, that's the, that's the biggest thing is treading the line between education and something that could be construed as advice. So any yeah. of these any self-directed custodians got that restriction. That can that can get you in uh, in a lot of trouble if you if you do that the wrong way. Right. Yeah. yeah, I imagine.
0: So um it sounds like you are
1: like one of your big
0: challenges is that visibility, that down funnel visibility. What are some other challenges that you're facing?
1: Yeah, it's um you know, the, the media weight for this business is still not where it needs to be. Um, you know, I don't think anyone has really, uh, in a convincing way illustrated what the ROI on ad spend is, you know, that's been a big question for them. What am I, what am I getting for my money? Right. Um, you know, you see that in a lot of organizations too. It's not just ones like this, but you know, I've been, Uh, at root for example they struggled with brand spend like no one could illustrate what we got for millions of dollars of investment and so some folks had meant like it was a waste of money completely you know Uh, so really tying tying uh, tying back return on ad spend uh, is the biggest piece I think that's one of my biggest challenges uh, and I'm getting close to what I think is a reliable CAC model using the data sets I have available and the tools I have available. It's primarily um, Salesforce and and some proof points around aging. This customer takes, it's another challenge too, this customer takes on average 60 to 90 days to convert from the time they reach the business to the time they close. And there's a lot of nurturing that happens in between that, whether it's email, whether it's uh, follow-up phone calls, things like that. So you got to look at you got to look at acquisition over a longer run, and so that's another big channel challenge too. Uh, yeah. So media weight, time to convert, uh, just brand awareness, right? So I think those three things. So brand awareness, I think, our our big opportunity uh, is in social and probably to some respect in the influencer community. There's a lot of people that operate in this circle around real estate investing that. This company has a lot of connections with and we do events with them. And so how do we jack up our, our, social, uh, our social presence to get some of that juice from the other influencers who are talking to the similar customer that we want to talk to? So yeah. I think there's a big opportunity there for us right now. Yeah, there's definitely a
0: lot of real estate investors.
1: Uh, Grant Cardone
0: comes to mind as one with a massive reach.
1: Yeah, well, that's one of the folks that uh, we are currently partnering with too. Just started, we nice. um, just got a, uh, a video out there on um, actually, it'll be coming out next week. Uh, so we did a joint webinar with him. We're going to start doing some more. So uh, he's a big one. Uh, Andrew Cordell's is another guy. Money yeah. is, he's got a show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Grant Cardone is an interesting character. He's got a yeah. uh, kind of polarizing figure, but you can't deny he's got some real sway.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely, man. All right. Very cool. Well, um, I'm excited for you. It sounds like you guys are doing some amazing things at Equity Trust and I probably should be a client of yours because I do have an IRA um, as well as a couple of rental properties, but I do not own Mm -hmm. the rental properties in the IRA and I could probably get... I probably... Would I have what I pay zero taxes at all on the rental income
1: or is it um, if you have it in a Roth IRA so that's the key if you got a Roth then you can start putting these uh, properties in there and our our, uh, our main education our head of education John bones this is his favorite catch catchphrase he says compound interest in the absence of taxation so you think about putting rental properties or whatever in, a, in a, an IRA and you know the game of Leveraging equity in one to down pay in another that stacks on itself. Imagine having that in your retirement account and then not being overly weighted on just stocks and bonds. So that's the whole magic of these things. Uh, They, as a company, they can't tell you what to invest in, but they're heavily on the real estate side. So yeah. Um, I didn't know these things even existed until I started to work here. And I'm like, wow, this kind of makes a lot of sense. So So now um I, if you're not able
0: to contribute to a Roth IRA, because the income limit is like 120K, I think. Yeah. Does that matter? Or can uh you can
1: you, still do can, it in a you Roth? can uh you could still do you you need to have a Roth IRA to be set up in the first place, but I think there's certain contribution limits. Again, we're getting over my skis in terms of what you can and can't do, I guess, but um I've you know, I've rolled over IRAs before to make them into Roths. You have to pay the taxes up front. It's, there's, I think there are certain, uh, certain conditions or times where uh, you can do this if uh, government sort of gives a reprieve on income limits. Uh, but certainly, you know, as if you're, doing, if you're self-employed, you can open up a Roth 401k and start contributing post-tax. Those things can be converted into a self-directed. So all kinds of retirement accounts, can be converted into self-directed. And then once it is self-directed, you can start doing all these alternative assets in them, which is really interesting. But the the real power, man, if you have a Roth of some form and you can do this sort of investing, right? It's all that income uh, at, at, at age, you know, whatever it is, 59 and a half, that's this tax-free income because it's, it's being earned by the, um, by the IRA, not by you, and then you take it yeah. out tax-free. So, yeah, I powerful. do have a Roth.
0: I do have a Roth. So, I should be your customer, I think. Maybe you should. You should. Yeah. Come check us out. <laughs> cool, man. Well, um, this has been awesome. Um, I am curious about uh, is there any tech that you're super excited about? Like any new tools that you guys are looking at? Or, um...
1: yeah, there is one. Um, there's a company, they're based out of Cleveland called Bright Edge. They're uh, SEO. SEO tool. Mm-hmm. And I brought that to them. What's really powerful about their tool is, um, I mean, you can get a lot of comparison analysis from SEM Rush, things like that. But this tool, uh, half the challenge is, well, what do I do to my pages? How do I, what, what do I need to do to update content? Like what H1 tags, things like this. The platform recommends, it provides recommendations and it tells you. What you literally need to do to that page from a coding perspective to fix it, and so it, you know, I have a content team. They're great writers. They're not SEO people, and so having a tool like this, and and we have an SEO coach from them that meets with us uh, every other, I think every other week, to help guide us along in those recommendations and get you know pick off these uh, these things. It's it's been incredible. Like even I think we implemented that tool. Maybe in totality, middle of middle of December, mm-hmm. you know, and we're now here, in the middle of January. We're already starting to get a little bit of link juice out of that. Already starting to see some some good uh, some good lift. So, if if you're in the market for an SEO tool, I know it's not a performance marketing tool, but uh, yeah. Bright Edge is is it's right at the top there for me for terms of um, organic or organic rankings.
0: Yeah, it's not cheap, uh, is it?
1: No, it's not cheap. It's, it's like it's up 5, there,
0: a month, kind
1: of. Yeah, it's around fifty thousand a year. But yeah. uh, if you can, you know, if you do the math and you get X number of dollars from organic, and you can increase that by Y, you know, and, and it offsets the cost by a, a couple of clicks. That's the that's the measuring stick I'm using for that on that one because organic is yeah. really important to this company. Uh, it should be to everybody. Uh, outside of that, I think the. If there's any other specific uh, ad tech I'm super excited about right now, I'm familiar with, but that one, that one, uh, that one got my attention for sure.
0: Nice, very cool. All right. Well, it's time uh, for a couple of rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, if you're ready for it. Ready what as I'll f- ever be. The first one is uh top reads like two or three reads or two or three influencers who have really made an impact in your career
1: hmm all right uh, I would say one of my all-time classic reads is by Steve Krug it's called Don't make me Think mm-hmm. and it's an early UX book and you know, the stuff he talks about in there really sort of sticks in my brain about I, know that uh, book. I love that book. yeah it's it's this classic I and mean, in ux has evolved obviously since that book was written dramatically mobile yeah. has taken off but the pro- the principles of that book are just i i my i started my career really as a user experience person then I got into marketing but man this thing really powerful for me um, another business book i think it's really fascinating is um, blink by um, by gosh what's the guy's name i'm just blanking him right now glad you know what I'm well. talking about yeah, yeah Malcolm, and Malcolm Gladwell. And just the idea of, you know, human intuition being so powerful, right? I think we tend as people to outthink a lot of stuff. And you overthink things. And the reality is there's this, you know, innate fight or flight sort of mechanism that drives a lot of who we are and what we do. And we we lose sight of that as intelligent thinking beings sometimes. So that's that's powerful to me. Uh, And I'll throw, I'll just throw uh, an author in there in a book that I love. It isn't a business book per se, but uh, Stephen King's one of my favorite authors. And uh, there's a book called 112263, which is, uh, I don't know if you've heard of this one, but it's actually made into a mini series on Hulu, but it's a guy, it's about time travel. And this guy is able to go back in time through this portal over and over and over again But basically, he uses it to try to stop the JFK assassination. Mm. And it's super interesting, super cool. I've read the book. uh, I think I've read it three times. I want to say at least twice, but I think I got through it three times. And every time, and it's such a rich book. And uh, so, yeah, there's a couple ones for you.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely include those in the show notes. Next up, and my favorite one, if you were to start a side hustle, what would it be?
1: Side hustle. Um, good question. You know, I do have a sort of a side hustle in that I'm a musician as well. Um, Mm. so I play in a band called robbing Mary, but if I did the side hustle, uh, beyond this, I would probably, I would probably consult for the insurance industry on, uh, on marketing because it's a very specific animal, you know, um, the, the nuances of good versus bad in there and, you know, profitability versus non-profitability, it really is a math equation. You know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta make more money than you spend out on claims and the whole dynamics of that. So, uh, you know, there's that, so where I spent the majority of my career in and I know a heck of a lot about that ecosystem and I know a lot about the carriers and the players and the competition. So if I was uh, just doing side hustle, I'd, uh, I'd do, uh, do insurance marketing consulting there.
0: Nice. That sounds good, man. I'm sure you'd do well. And then finally, uh, how do you avoid burnout?
1: Yeah, it's easy to get burned out in today's day and age, right? Um, I, there's a couple of things I like to do. Like I talked about music, so music's great. I've got a Upright piano out in my, my living room here. I'll go and bang on that for a while. Um, I'm a keyboardist. So that was my instrument. Yeah. Uh, I try to, I, I love mountain biking during the, the biking season here. Living yeah. in Cleveland, that's like, you know, May to October ish. Uh, but from a work perspective, you just have to be able to put limits around your stuff. It's easy if you like what you're doing to get sucked into it. I think especially people who work at home now, there's this mystery or sort of myth, I guess, that people work at home, don't work as hard. I think it's kind of the opposite. I think you, it makes it easier to sort of feed that, you know, addiction, if you will, to work on a certain project or dig in because you get into it. And you just have to set boundaries for yourself, right? I don't uh, typically answer emails after a certain period of time. I try not to send them out. I try not to let people think that I think that's okay. You know, so there's that, uh, I like to go for, uh, go for hikes with my wife sometimes when I'm working at home, try to do that, take the dog. So just have to be conscious of that. And, you know, life is way more than just working, uh, you know, so that's, I guess, a couple of ways that I keep myself from burning out and don't try to get trapped in doing the same thing over and over and over again. If you're in a job that that's all you do, like you're only focusing, I, I don't know, on SEO optimization, that's a surefire way if you do that for three or four years and nothing else that you're going to burn out. So yeah. variety, find opportunities that, that challenge you and make you grow. Uh, and if you're feeling like you're doing the same thing over and over again, it's probably time for a move.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Well, that was amazing, David. Thank you so, so much. We learned a lot. Uh, everybody listening, if you are liking this as much as I am, please drop a like, a comment, or a thumbs up. Uh, David, if folks want to learn more about you or Equity Trust, uh, where would you direct them?
1: Yeah, the visit Equity Trust's website. It's uh, trustetc.com. You'll find uh, what you need about that. And uh, for those who are interested in meeting me, learning more about me, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, David Drodos. So search bars work. You'll find me pretty quickly awesome
0: i definitely need uh some property in my roth ira so i'm gonna go (laughs) secret shop your funnel right now and i'll report back soon
1: all right man cool chris thank you very much thanks thanks a ton all right we'll talk soon
0: and that's a wrap Thanks for joining us today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at performancemarketinginsiders.com. This podcast is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the performance agency that makes you smarter, offering AI-driven search, paid social, analytics, and conversion rate optimization for financial services, health, B2B, and SaaS brands that know. Hey guys, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, you can get a performance marketing assessment for free. And this isn't some cookie cutter automated report. It lays out detailed, specific things you can do right now to unlock limitless growth and nirvana level personal satisfaction. To claim your free assessment, just go to performance performancemarketinginsiders.com slash audit and you'll have your customer report within just a few days.